Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Boschel. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. I want to talk to you about a great love story and talk to you about how God sees you and help you to be you. Not to fit in a box, in a mold, not to be part of the cookie cutter um, belt, conveyor belt, and become a clone of everybody else. You were created by God, designed by God, planned by God, predestined by God to be you, to be alive at this time, to be a, a male or a female, to be black, white, colored, Asian. God knew exactly what He did when He created you. So celebrate God's creation tonight. That means celebrate yourself. Come on, give the Lord a praise for making you tonight. Come on. You know, the whole world uh, tries to talk down on people. God tries to talk up to you, to lift you up. So David, I read in the Passion Translation, he says, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. So you never surprise God. God's never shocked by you and God never falls off of the throne because of you. He knows you better than anybody else. You know, every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. You've laid your hand on me. This is just too wonderful, deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Where can I go from your spirit? Go to the club? No. Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you are there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you are there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It is impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. Hallelujah. There is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. Listen now, you formed my innermost being. You are shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside. And all the girls say, Amen. Oh, that's a weak Amen. Come on, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope you're here tonight. Okay. Um, you know, the Bible says God made man, so He just squashed us together. You can look at guys, even if they th have a lot of muscles, it's just a bulge and a bulge there. God just squashed us together. But then when He 
took the rib and he formed the woman. The Bible says he skillfully handcrafted the woman. Amen. That's why women are so different. Shaping my de- delicate inside and the intricate outside and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. <laughs> you ever thought why you are different to other people? It's because God's plan with your life is different from everybody else. Ever thought why you don't always fit the mold? Because God never created you to fit the mold. He created you to be a standout person. He created you to be an original. He created you to be fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on in Jesus' name. He created you to be the head and not the tail. He made you exactly the way He wanted to make you. He says, everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. So so, so when you look in the mirror, you shouldn't look at yourself and think, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Sure, we all should maybe eat different. I don't know. I'm going to be so cautious now what I say, which I won't be. But when you look in the mirror, stop thinking there's something wrong with you. Stop defining yourself through the opinions of others and the labels placed upon you by culture of the day and by education systems. We'll talk about that tonight. And begin to see yourself through the eyes of God, fearfully and wonderfully made, that God made you exactly. You're not just an accident, even if people say you were an oops, no. You were planned by God. You were predestined by God. Even if your mommy never planned you, your daddy never planned you, your heavenly daddy planned for you to be here today in Jesus' name. He created you. He shaped you. Skillfully, the Bible says. He he says, you saw who you created me to be before I became me. You saw who I am meant to be before I became me. How many people ever become the me God wants them to be? Me. The me God wants them to be. They become the me that society wants them to be. They become the me that education demands them to be. They become the me that the family requires them to be. Well, if you're going to be like everybody else, you will amount to what everybody else amounts to. That's why there are no two human beings who have the same fingerprint, the same eye. There are no two human beings that are the same, even identical twins. They have different personalities. God created them differently. God designed them differently. You may walk like your dad, but you are not your dad. You may talk like somebody else, but you are not that somebody else. And you better, uh, uh, and we're going to talk about this You you better become comfortable, uh, and I need to be cautious in what I'm saying, in your skin, not talking about your pigmentation. Comfortable in who you are. And you have to begin to love who God made you to be. And stop down-thinking yourself and down-talking yourself and minimizing yourself and trying to find yourself through fitting into this world and society. Because that's when you will lose yourself. He says, you saw who you created me to be before I became here, before I even see the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you are thinking of me. 
Oh, hallelujah. When God thinks about you, I used to think uh, when God thinks about me, I need to duck. No, when some Christians think about me, I have to duck. Amen. Because when some people look at you, it's like that beam is, is out of the eye like this. Um, you have to duck. Not when God looks at your, in your direction. And, and this is where people miss God's love and God's grace and what Jesus came to do. When God looks at you, He looks at you through the finished work of the cross. He looks at you as perfect and complete. He loves you and He will not leave you as you are, but He will work in you and He will wash you and He will love you into submission and He will always bring you back to that place of intimacy because He knows it's the only place that will change you and keep you in this journey, which by the way, is a love relationship, not a servant God, a father-child relationship. So this is David in the Old Covenant talking about how much God loves him. And he says, God, you are thinking about me all the time. What thoughts? I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and hope. So when God looks at you, He doesn't look at what is wrong. He doesn't address the symptoms. When God looks at you, He looks at who He created you to be and He ministers to you to get you to be the person that He created you to be. And that is not negative speaking, judgment, damnation, no. That is talking to who you were created to be. That's calling you who you are meant to be. That is declaring the future that God has for you in Jesus' Name. So our text tonight is, He says, I thank you God for making me so mysteriously complex. Yes, you are complex. Now don't go to home to your wife tonight and say to her, the pastor said you're complex, you're very complex. Every five years, amen. Okay, evolution. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. The New King James Version says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. You know, you can be the most beautiful person in the world and everybody can tell you that you are beautiful. But if you don't feel beautiful inside, you are never going to act beautiful. You, may, you, you can be the most intelligent person in the world and everybody can talk to you and say to you, you've got the most potential in the world. But if you don't believe that about yourself and feel that inherently, you will live a life seeking acceptance, which will be, lead you on a path of self-destruction. So we have to establish our identity in God, not in what the world is trying to define as identity. We were, we were created by God. We were formed for God. Our identity originates from our Creator. The Bible says you hail from God. You are born from above. The seed of God abides on the inside of you. That's why it doesn't matter what your background is, what your culture is, what your color is. We all hail from God. We are children of the living God and we have God potential on the inside of us to be and to do whatever God created us to be and to do if you believe it tonight, say amen and give God a praise. So I, I, I want you to say this tonight because some of you have a hard time saying anything good about yourself. And if you don't say good things about yourself, you're gonna say, never say good things about other people. So love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we have to get you loving yourself, not becoming narcissistic, but loving yourself as God loves you and seeing yourself through the eyes of Jesus. 
seeing the king on the inside while people are seeing a shepherd boy. Seeing a somebody in the making when everybody else sees a nobody. Seeing yourself through the eyes of God. No matter how people sideline you and minimize you. So do this tonight. Put your hand on your heart and say this. Say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In Jesus' name. Say this. Say, I might seem complicated to others. But I'm made this way by God. Fearfully and wonderfully. In Jesus' name. I love God. I love myself. I've accepted God. I accept myself for who God made me to be. I have a future. I have a hope. I am special. Say it. Say, I am special. Say it again. Say, I am special. Give the Lord a praise because that's what God says about you in Jesus' name. So I want to start with a little parable here tonight. Um, and it's called, Let the, the Rabbits Run. And it's going to say a lot. So through this little parable, um, I want to talk about you. And you are going to see yourself in the story tonight. That you have strengths. And there are some things that are not strengths. And our world is designed to always focus on inadequacies, shortcomings. While God focuses on strengths, the gifts, the talents, the ability and the personality He gave you. So here we go. Imagine there was a meadow. In that meadow, I hope there's pictures, there's a duck, a fish, an eagle, an owl and a squirrel and a rabbit. They decided they want a school so they can be smart, just like people. With the help of some grown-up animals in the education department, they came up with a curriculum they believe will be well-rounded animals. Running, swimming, tree climbing, jumping and flying. On the first day of school, little rabbit, some beautiful visuals, combed his ears and he went hopping off to his running classes. There he was a star. He ran to the top of the hill and back as fast as he could. And oh, did it feel good. He said to himself, I can't believe it. At school, I get to do what I do best. The instructor said, Rabbit, you really have great talent for running. You have great muscles in your real legs. With some training, you will get more out of every hop. The rabbit said, I love school. How many of you love school? Okay. No, you love certain periods, okay? And you love certain subjects. Let's go deeper. He says, I, want, I get to do what I like to do and get to learn to do it better. The next class was swimming. When the rabbit smelled the chlorine, he said, wait, wait, rabbits don't like to swim. The instructor said, well, you may not like it now, but five years from now, you'll know that it's a good thing for you. In the tree climbing class, a tree trunk was set at a 30 degree angle. So all the animals had a chance to succeed. The little rabbit tried so hard, he hurt his leg. In jumping class, the rabbit got along just fine. In flying class, he had a problem. So the teacher gave him a psychological test and discovered he belonged in remedial flying. In remedial flying classes, the rabbit had to practice jumping over a cliff. They told him if he just worked hard enough, he could succeed. The next morning, he went on to swimming class and the instructor said, today we jump into the water. Wait! Wait, I talked to my parents. Rabbits don't like to swim. We were never designed to swim. We don't like to get wet. 
I want to drop this course. The instructor said you can't drop it. To drop an ad period is over. At this point, you have a choice. You either jump in or you flunk. The rabbi jumped in, he panicked, he went down once, he went down twice, bubbles came up. The instructor saw he was drowning and pulled him out by the ears. The animals had never seen anything quite as funny as the wet rabbit that looked more like a rat without a tail. And so they chirped and jumped and barked and howled and laughed at the rabbit. The rabbit was more humiliated than he had ever been in his life. He wanted desperately to get out of class that day. He was glad when it was all over. He thought that he would head home, that his parents would understand and help him. When he arrived, he said to his parents, I just don't like school. I want to be free. I want to be me. Well, if rabbits are going to get ahead in life, his parents said, you have to get a diploma. The rabbit said, I don't want a diploma. The parents said, you're going to get a diploma. Education is a good thing, by the way. Whether you want one or not, they argued and finally the parents made the rabbit go to bed. In the morning, the rabbit went off to school on a slow hop. They remembered that the principal had said that any time he had a problem, he could go to the counselor's office. When he arrived at school, he hopped up to the chair by the counselor and said, I don't like school. The counselor said, mm, tell me about it. We've all been there, right? The counselor, after telling his story, the counselor said, Rabbit, I hear you. I hear you saying that you don't like school because you don't like swimming. I think I've diagnosed that correctly. Rabbit, I tell you what we're going to do. You're just doing fine in running. I don't know why you need to work on running. What you need to work on is swimming. I'll arrange it so you don't have to go to running anymore and you can have two periods of swimming every week. When the rabbit heard that, he just threw up. As the rabbit hopped out of the counselor's office, he looked up and saw his old friend, the wise old owl, who after listening to the rabbit's sad tale, cocked his head and said, Rabbit, life doesn't have to be that way. We could have schools and businesses where people are allowed to concentrate on what they do well. If you have a business um, and you've never read the book, Building to last and good to great, I suggest you read them. How to harness people's strengths and how to get people, the right people on the right seat in the bus. You cannot put a square peg in a round hole. That's what society tries to do. That's not how we will reach and fulfill the destiny God has for us. So the rabbit was inspired. He thought when he graduated, he would start a business where the rabbits would do nothing but run. The squirrels could just climb trees. The fish could just swim. As he disappeared into the meadow, he sighed softly to himself and he said, Oh, what a great place that would be. The reality of this parable is that this little rabbit is not alone. Most companies, schools, families, culture, organizations focus on this one written, unwritten rule. Let's focus on what is wrong and let strengths take care of themselves. We should do the opposite. We should focus and harness the person's strength and manage the weakness on the side. Our systems are built to catch people's weaknesses rather than to build their strengths. Business managers spend most of their time working with the lowest performers and zeroing in on their mistakes. And we all know this. When you bring your report card home, your parents don't look at the A's, but they focus on the lowest grades 
and they say, you need extra classes. You need to do a little bit better in this area. Banks make credit judgment based on negative history. Social work focuses on problems instead of helping people become self-reliant and self-sufficient. So most people focus their energy on fixing a weakness while ignoring their God-given strengths and talents and abilities. And in the process, they lose themselves, they lose their personality, they lose their fervor, and they just begin to survive. Been labeled, classified, people telling you who you are, what you can and what you can't do, what you don't have, you are not the same. You are right. You are not the same. You are designed by God uniquely. You are skillfully created by God. He gave you your temperament. Well, I'm not talking about bad behavior, but I'm talking about the strengths of your personality. I'm talking about the real you. You have to discover the you God created you to be. And that you will do, my dear friend, in the presence of God. So when you discover your God design and you embrace your God design, you embark on the fulfilling the destiny that God has for you. So yes, difference is God's design. Difference is what should be celebrated. The Bible is clear that we have gifts differing according to the grace given unto us. We are not the same. We are not meant to be the same. We have similarities, but we are not the same. We are designed by God. So if you don't know who you are, how will you ever know what you can do? Because being precedes doing. You have to know who you are before you will know what you are good at. Your passion. What is it that makes you tick? And sometimes children I raise, Narita and I raise three children as well. Um, they're not the same. They come out of the same home, but each one of them are distinctly different. There are certain similarities, but we had to raise them differently. We had to be sensitive to their gifts and their talents and their strengths and try and help them find themselves so that they don't wrestle throughout life always looking for acceptance. That's maybe one of the greatest reasons why people fall into peer pressure and lose themselves in a sinful lifestyle is because really what they're looking for is accepting themselves. And we don't need other people's acceptance if we understand God's acceptance. And then we accept people's acceptance, but not based on their terms, based on who we are in Christ. Not allowing people to minimize us, people to talk down on us, people to classify us, people to say who we are, who we are not, what we can do, what we cannot do. That's why I always tell you, you are not going to live this Christian life without a relationship with God as your Father. So David who writes this Psalm has reason to write this Psalm because he had to overcome many people's opinions to become the king, to become the worshiper and the warrior. When God sent Samuel to the house of Jesse to anoint the new king, we know the story. How Jesse causes seven of his sons to pass by the prophet Samuel. First it is Eliab and Samuel looks at him and he says, surely the Lord's anointed. God says, no, not this one. Not that Eliab wasn't chosen by God, but this was not Eliab's destiny. 
So he said, God said to Samuel, do not look at his outward appearance for the Lord do, does not look on the outside, but on the inside. Then Abinadab, the Lord said, neither this one. Then Shammah, the type of the spiritual one, the one that's got a Bible so big you can choke a donkey. God says, neither have I chosen him. Eventually the prophet must have thought, I've missed it. And he said, do you have another child? He says, yes, um, there remains the youngest. The one that God surely will not use to be king of Israel. The one that is a shepherd boy. And Samuel said, bring him. Bring that person that you deem to be a nobody. Bring that person that you deem to be a shepherd. Because in your eyes, dad, he may be a shepherd. But in your heavenly father's eyes, you are a king. You are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation. You are a peculiar people. Come on. You have been called out of darkness by God himself. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. And Samuel said to Jesse, we are not going to sit down until this young man comes. And I love the scripture. The Bible says he came. He was ruddy, which means he had a red complexion and he was good looking like all of you. Good looking. What you got cooking? Good looking. God chose him. I mean, David could have really wrestled with an inferiority complex, right? I mean, you're just a nobody. You didn't get the highest grades, the highest marks. You didn't, we're not the captain of the rugby team or the netball team or the soccer team or the yuckskate team or whatever team you played. Um, you were not the brightest according to your parents' standards of evaluation. You know, sometimes kids really wrestle with this because they just don't fit into playing for the first team. And there's nothing wrong if you don't play for, if you play for the first team, we're proud of you, that's your gift, your talent, etc. But that doesn't mean everybody else is useless because we are wired together differently. I've sat with people that are absolute genius and they are not this typical mold that the world thinks is what you should be to be successful, but they are comfortable in who they are meant to be. And they've learned not to conform to the pressure and the expectations of what people want to place upon them. They know who they are in God. So first, David's father has an opinion about him. Then when he goes to the battleground, there's Eliab, his oldest brother. When his father sends him, not to be part of the battle, but just take food to your brothers who's fighting the battle. Three of his brothers were in the battle. So 1 Samuel 17, Eliab, the oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. Jealousy. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Down talk. Minimizing you. You're just not as good as anybody else. You're just not as bright. The Joneses never do this. Well, you're going to be the first Jones, Jonas, Jones, Jonas, Jonas brother. You're going to be the first one to, to, to amount to something. You're going to be the first one in your family to get an education. Come on, you're going to be the first one in your family to get a doctrine. You're going to be the one that will wow and surprise everybody else because you believe what God says to you. So, 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 so David's brother, the oldest brother, talks down on David. Sibling rivalry. You all know what that is? And uh, David says, speak to the hand. Because I know what you don't know. I've slain the lion, I've slain the bear. And this uncircumcised, uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. I know whose I am. 
I know that I am fearfully and wonderfully created. I am God's workmanship. I am God's creation. You cannot make me feel inferior. You cannot make me belittle me. I say this to people all the time. Nobody can make you feel inferior without your consent. I mean, if somebody mistreats you, you, you shouldn't go off on a tangent. Just speak to the hand. Because you look at me in the flesh. But God doesn't see me in the flesh. So I don't evaluate myself in the flesh. I don't look at myself through human eyes or through skin pigmentation or through a report card. Although those things are important to excel. And I preach this. But more than that, we have to know who we are. And for us to know who we are, we have to know whose we are. We have to be secure in our relationship with God so that we can know who we are. So Yazelia, who talks down on him, then he goes to King Saul and King Saul says to him, you are not able. How many times have you heard that? You want to start a business and people say, you don't have what it takes. Oh, my brother, you have what it takes. You have God on the inside. You have the creator of the universe. Come on. You have what it takes. When you doubt yourself, you will doubt your ability. You will cancel yourself and will not need anybody else to cancel you. When he faced Goliath, Goliath disdained him and looked at him and said, but you're just a boy. You're just a youth. You may be 17 years old, but God says, I've chosen you. I've sanctified you. I have ordained you. I've laid my hand upon you. I have a future. I have a hope for you. So stop running with a crowd and push the pause button for a moment and get yourself into God's presence so that you can discover this God whose thoughts toward you are precious thoughts, thoughts of love, thoughts of belief, thoughts of encouragement, Thoughts that want to lift you up. Thought that, thoughts that want to heal you. And once you experience that love of God, my dear friend, you will begin to become comfortable with yourself. And when people try to derail you, sideline you, minimize you, it will just be like a computer that rebuts it. You will just rebut it. You will just rebut it. It will not enter your mind when people talk down on you. It will not enter your mind because you know who you are. You know who you are. You know you were created by God. You know you're a child of God. You know that God has a future for you, that God's chosen you, God's called you, God's appointed you, God's anointed you. Come on in the name of Jesus Christ. This is who you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I pray to God tonight that you hear this little message and that you will begin to celebrate who God created you to be. And you will stop being so hard on yourself and talking down on yourself and finding fault with yourself and that you will just be that rabbit that God created you to be. Be unique, be different, be who God created you to be and your destiny will unfold in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, give Him a praise tonight in this place. You know, um, psychologists and psychiatrists will say that the greatest thing young people are struggling with now is identity. Um, who am I? And, and we're not even talking about sexual identity. We're just talking about who am I? Bizak, 
Well, now let me ask you, who are you? Because we don't know who you are, what lies in your tomorrow? He created you. He called you. And I'll tell you something. I was seven years old and I was messed up a month before I turned 18. And um, in primary school, I was the head boy, ducks medal, blah, 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 blah. Played all the sport teams and things like that. Then I lost the way. I lost Jesus. I lost myself and went in a journey that wasn't great. And I thank God that I found myself again. And you know, when I came back to Jesus, as confident as I was when I was younger, sin, that's what sin does. Sin destroys the image of Christ in you. Sin destroys your confidence. Sin destroys your, your, your creative ability. So, so that's why God talks against sin, not to, to judge you, but because it is so harmful to you. It's destructive to your soul, to your thinking, to your psyche, to your being, to who you are created to be. It breaks you down because the paycheck of sin is death. And the Bible says, the soul that sins shall surely die. So when you sin, and, I, and I don't, I'm not a, a preacher that a preaches sin, I preach righteousness. But when you sin, there's a consequence and that is death to your soul. That's why so many people struggle with self-belief because they're wrestling with issues that they're not willing to let go of. When you get yourself into God's presence and you accept the love of Jesus Christ, His love will set you free and heal your soul and your emotions. And then you will feel free Free. And from that place, your confidence or your confidence develops so that you know what you can do in life. Therefore, we have to choose like David did. Who are you? Who do you follow? God is there leading you, willing you on, urging you. At the same time as your loving father, he warns you because he knows what will rob you of your self-esteem, your dignity, your confidence, your confidence. And I'll tell you, it is a little thing called sin, which is missing the mark, which is taking your eyes off Jesus Christ and focusing elsewhere. I cannot lie to you. The Bible says you have to run this race with endurance, looking unto Jesus Christ. This generation that is alive now, you will face challenges like no other generation ever has. Therefore, God's predestined you for this hour and God's has clothed you with glory and honor. That's what Psalm 8 says. God crowned you with glory and honor. God's laid the world at your feet. But you have to take possession of that destiny that God has for you. But first you have to take possession of yourself. You have to take ownership of who you are by taking ownership of whose you are. I am a child of God fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, my children always said this to me. They always, why they would not get up to nonsense. This is what they always said, all of them. Individually, we don't want to disappoint you, Dad. Not we're afraid of you, Dad. We don't want to disappoint you. Well, when you love God, 
and, and you have that relationship with God as your father, that is the motivation. I don't want to disappoint you, God, because you love me so much. You gave so much to me. I don't want to fail you, God, right? I mean, that was in my children. Still is today. We want to make you proud, Daddy. We, we don't want to disappoint you. And as a father, I taught my children. I said, listen, whether you play first team or third team, whether you get the highest mark or the lowest mark, it is not the issue. And they did good in many things. But I learned that there were things that were far more important than just something on a scorecard or standing next to the rugby match. When your child is practicing and forcing that child that doesn't use steroids to compete against every other child that uses steroids and he breaks his shoulder and you break his spirit in the process and he feels useless and he feels no good because he never feels he's accepted by his daddy. He's just never good enough. Let me tell you this. God says you are good enough whether you uh, uh, get the A grade or the B grade. God says you are loved whether you are at the top or whether you're at the bottom right now. Come on, you better give a, a better hand clap than that. God loves you unconditionally. Yes, we encourage our children to excel, but our love for our children and the recognition of our children is not based on their performance. This gospel is not a performance orientated gospel. This performance is the greatest love story ever told that God loved us while we were sinners. When we were the furthest away from God, God demonstrated His love by sending His Son, Jesus Christ. I want to shout it out tonight that you are loved by your Father in the heaven and there ain't nothing you can do that will make your Father stop loving you and believing in you and willing you on to be the best version of yourself. At the same time, like any father, we have to sit our children down sometimes and say, this ain't good for you. Not because we wanna impose restriction, but because we know if we allow certain things, it will destroy them. So when Paul addresses sin, it's not from a point of judgment, it's from a point of warning you that you were darkness, now you are light. You were unrighteous, now you are righteous. Live differently by seeing yourself for who God created you to be. Don't destroy yourself. Don't be your worst enemy. Accept the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the freedom and the liberty you have in Christ and then live free, forgiven as a child of God. Because this sin thing, the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I'll tell you something, if you go sin, inevitably condemnation is the result. And you have to deal through that, work through that. Walk away from that tonight. Walk away from, from that life that takes you nowhere. Run into the loving arms of your Father tonight. Give yourself fully to Jesus Christ tonight so that you can live lightly and freely. Jesus said, are you burned out on religion? Are you tired? Are you worn out? He says, come to me. Take a break with me, not mainstay. 
get away with me. That's the message version of take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come to Jesus. Because that's where you're going to discover yourself. That's where He will rebuild you. Rebuild your confidence, rebuild your self-esteem, your self-image, your dignity. Only He can. We're waiting for the manager at the work. Listen, there's always going to be people that mistreat you. There's always going to be somebody on the road, somebody in the workplace, somebody in church, somebody that rubs you up the wrong way. We're not defined by that. We're above that. Why? Because we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Paul says, in the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I don't stoop down to my carnal life and to my fleshly nature. I'm defined by who Jesus made me to be. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So don't go through life like a caterpillar. Be the butterfly. Be fearfully and wonderfully made. Be you. Be who God created you to be and begin to celebrate this God so that you can celebrate your identity. No longer look at other people and think, I'm not like, uh, I don't have what he has, etc., etc. Sure you don't, but they don't have what you have. What you see in others and you think, if I had that, oh no, you have something beautiful. And some of you are a little bit more complicated than others, right? <clears throat> I'm not talking about your bad behavioral patterns, which you have to get rid of. Just a little, wired a little bit more differently, especially autistic people. That's okay. God made you that way. The creative people, different, right? They don't fit the mold. The um, nerd, so-called, that doesn't throw the ball 500 million miles, but he's got a brain that's going to design the next invention and everybody else is going to work for him. Because he doesn't lose himself because he doesn't fit into the profile that the world imposes. You have to at school be this. Then all the girls say, Ooh. And if you're not, you feel you don't fit in. And then you look for somewhere else to fit in. And you get yourself in trouble. So as parents, and I know it's for, for our young people here tonight, I'll tell you tonight, love yourself, be comfortable who God made you to be, and you be you. And the only way to be you is to find Him and then to find yourself in His presence, in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving, please. You've come here tonight there in Bloomfield, in Chabarone, in Johannesburg, in Cape Town, in Potchefstroom, in Kimberley, where we will be on Wednesday. And you're one of the people that are wrestling with this. And maybe you've lost yourself in this world trying to fit in. Maybe tonight if you died, you don't even know you'll go to heaven. Maybe you served God at one time, but you've grown cold on the inside. Listen, there's freedom in Christ. And if you lose that freedom, you lose yourself. 
So while every head is bowed, believers praying all over this place, all over our churches. Tonight you're sitting in this place and you say, Pastor, I need a new beginning with God. I want to be like David. I want to get back to God. I want to live for God. I want to live this God life that God has for me. I want to walk away from everything else. And I want to surrender all to God tonight. I want to find His love so I can find myself. I need to recover myself in His presence tonight. God is talking to you tonight. Forget the people around you. Maybe you walked in here five minutes late or 10 minutes ago. It doesn't matter, but suddenly something is gripping your heart. That is God's love. That's the Holy Spirit. God talking to you, willing you on, urging you on to come and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. So tonight there is nothing too great that God cannot forgive. Tonight, God is standing before you with His arms open wide and He's calling you to come into a relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. You sit here tonight, you sit here vanavond en jy het nie geloof sekerheid nie, jy het nie vrede met God nie, jy het nie die wete, as jy so sterf, jy sal jy mal toe, en ek wil vir jou bid vanavond. Vanavond kan een nieuwe leven begin. A new life can start for you tonight. A new journey with God can start tonight. But you have to take a step in the right direction. If that's you tonight, you say, Pastor, I need a fresh start with God. I need a new beginning. I want to surrender my life to Jesus tonight. If that is your desire, quietly, wherever you are, just slip your hand up. I want to say a prayer for you, please, before we close this meeting. Lift your hand up high all over this place quickly. Raise it up. Raise it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Raise it up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. God bless you. Raise it up. God bless you. God bless you. Raise it up all over this place tonight. Standing here tonight in all our churches. Put your hand on your heart. And everybody pray this prayer. Don't be a skeptic tonight. Just allow God's love to touch you. Just allow Jesus to touch you. And to take His place in your life tonight. We don't worship Him from a distance. Pray this tonight. Say, Lord Jesus, tonight... I'm coming back to you and I surrender my life to you. You've opened my eyes to see that you love me as I am. You died for all my sin and I believe you rose from the grave. I believe you're alive. Tonight, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for washing me in your blood and for giving me the power through your grace to live a life that is pleasing to you. I receive your love. I receive a new beginning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, give Him a praise. Hallelujah. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.